Welcome back to the Art of Charm podcast, a show designed to help you communicate with power and become unstoppable on your path from hidden genius to influential leader. Now, we know you have what it takes to reach your full potential, and each and every week we share with you interviews and strategies to help you transform your life by helping you unlock your X factor, whether you're in sales, project management, engineering, medicine, building client relationships, or even looking for love. We got what you need. You shouldn't have to settle for anything less than extraordinary. I'm AJ. And I'm Johnny. Now, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Let's kick off today's show. And I have to be honest, Johnny and I are so excited for our guest today. Today, we have none other than Joe Navarro with us. Joe is a retired FBI special agent and recognized as one of the world's foremost authorities on reading nonverbal communication. He was personally approached to join the FBI while he was working as a police officer at the age of 23. He retired from the FBI in 2003 and has since been teaching the world to read and interpret body language and facial cues. Joe has co-authored many international bestsellers, including What Everybody is Saying, The Dictionary of Body Language, Louder Than Words, Advanced Interviewing Techniques, and he's here today to talk about his new book, Be Exceptional. Master the five traits that set extraordinary people apart that just came out in June. So let's jump in. Thank you for joining us, Joe. You have one of our favorite books behind you, What Everybody is Saying. And Johnny and I have been a huge (laughs) fan of yours for years. We first just wanted to pick your brain on what made you decide to write Be Exceptional and what does exceptional mean? Yeah, great question, and and thanks for uh, for having me on the show. I uh, AJ, I I know you come to this late, but uh, Johnny's been stalking me for a long time, so <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good to finally be on on the show with with you. You know, I I never I never thought I would be a writer. I retired from the FBI with no intention of of writing, and um, people asked me, "Hey, you know you." you learned all these things in the Bureau. Um, why don't you share them? And um, so, so I began to, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I only started writing in, in, in 2003 and there was a, there was a sort of progression to it. Um, books about interviewing books, about terrorism books, about um, well, uh, Phil Helmuth asked me to b- write a book on, on, uh, on, ga- on uh, not gambling, but on uh, poker tells even though I'm not a poker player. And, uh, and so there was a sequence to it. And then, you know, it's, you come to that point where, what is it that I have not shared? And one of the things that I found, it was accidental in, in my career that, yeah, you run into a lot of bad things, but boy, oh boy, when you run into the good um, I paid attention to that as much as uh, as, as those things that uh, were really awful. And I thought, you know, if you ask the average person, what does it take to to be exceptional? And 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 your question is is good, AJ. It, you know, it's well, what do I mean by that? I mean, you're the kind of person that when you walk away. You say, "Wow, I I I feel better for having known that person. I feel better for having been around that person. 
I somehow have benefited from that person, and I don't know why. And it obviously it has nothing to do with wealth or property or, or anything like that. And there were some people there that I, I've, you know, ran into and studied. And I said, what is it that they have in common? <laughs> you know, because you can't go to the university and say, I want exceptional 101 because I'm going to graduate in, in this. Come to find out, find out, no university teaches you to be exceptional. They teach you skills, but they don't teach you what, what really matters. And so I thought, why not? Why not write about those five things that, that I have found that really set the exceptional apart? When we started our journey in The Art of Charm, you know, we were trying to codify exactly that, exceptional. And we chose the word charming, and it really focused more on dating at the very start. But mm-hmm. as the company has grown, I just see so much overlap between what we do here and these five traits, and how many of our clients come to us for that exact reason. So that when they leave the room, they know they've made an impact in a positive way, and people pursue them, want their time versus the opposite, chasing others and trying to win people yeah. over. No, and I and I think and I and I think that's a good fit. You know, whether you call it charm, whatever term you use, you're trying to encapsulate a group of behaviors that, in essence, are transformative. And so, it doesn't matter what we call it. Whether it was, you know, I think that's a a great term. Is you know, how do we charm people? How do we how do we make them feel better? And um, and and this is what the exceptional have in, in common, that their focus is outward, much as what you guys uh, talk about. Their interest is always curious. It's benign curiosity. Um, it's uh, not necessarily putting someone else on a, pedestal at the expense of yourself, but certainly valuing others and validating others. There, that's, that's the art of, of, of the charm right there. What I wanted to add to that, which is when you're talking about these traits and you're talking about transformation, we're talking about who we would like to become and, our, and, and who we are as people. And I believe one of the questions even in the book is, I, th- I think it was in self-mastery of what do you want to be known for? And when we look at questions from that, from that lens, these are things that sh- your parents should be instilling in you because you're representing yourself and, and that not only that, but, but your family and, and we're in your community and schools are going to be at least back then wanted to make sure you were focused on being able to get educated so you can fit into the the industrial revolution of working in a factory or whatever it would take for you to be a contributing member to to society but what right. we're seeing now when people come to our classes when when people listen to our podcast the questions we get is like why hadn't i learned this stuff in school because this is very impactful for everything that i need to do well it's like well, schools had a different purpose before. This should have been in your community and, and from your parents. But what we're seeing is 
with the way culturally things are going right now, we don't have a lot of strong male role models. And because of that, those traits aren't being taught in school nor in the family. So I think people are, are looking for those. They find them on the, uh, hopefully they find our resources, all, all right. of us here speaking on the internet rather than some of the more toxic uh, materials that they could find that skim over this or look to the, uh, try to instill traits that allow you to, to bring in things that you want in life, but not through high value manners yeah. and, and high value ways going about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you nailed it there. You know, institutions used to teach us these things, but the institutions have have been watered down. Um, you know, I e- even in, in my own family, I, much of what I learned, I learned from my grandmother who took care of us because we had come over as as refugees, and both my parents were working two and three jobs uh, as waiters and as a waiter and a, a waitress. And so they didn't get to teach me these things. And, and there's any number of, of reasons, but I think you're right. I think uh, uh, people nowadays, I run this in, in, into this all the time. And as you say, one of the things that pops up is, why didn't they teach me this in junior high school? Why didn't I learn this in high school? Why didn't I? I graduated from college and they didn't teach me this. It's like they've been cheated out of, uh, out of the stuff. And yet in any organization, you know, I always say, you know, and I, and, I, and I think in the art of charm, you would agree with this. We're all in the people business. Yes. <laughs> and so why, why wouldn't you want to learn these, these, uh, these skills? You know, we used to say, well, these are the soft skills. That is utter nonsense. <laughs> these, these are essential skills. I don't want to hear that term, soft skills. You know, these are essential skills. And um, and, and unfortunately, a, a lot of people are just not prepared to utilize these skills when they need them the most. Right before an interview, you know, <laughs> hey, Joe, yeah. yeah, I got an interview tomorrow. How should I prepare about eight How years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's, well, what's the hack, the shortcut? What, yeah. What's the one phrase I could say to get me the job? Yeah, should I sit up that straight? Way. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> when I think of a lot of, of marketing, there was a shift. It was either late 80s, early 90s, where there was this commercial. I think this was for DeVry's Institute or something mm-hmm. like that, where they, they showed a series of interviewees who were sitting there, and they, they kept saying, well, I'm a people person. Why should I hire you? Because I'm a people person. Why should I hire you? Because I'm a people person. Because DeVry's Institute or whoever it was who had this marketing campaign wanted you to learn these hard skills. But that marketing, I I feel like it had such an impact back then that all of these people had focused on these hard skills, going to school, stacking up all these skills, which are great. But without the soft soft skills in quotes there to move these along – What's it matter how how many of these skills that you have if no one wants to be around you if you're if you're not a good teammate if you don't allow the people on your team to feel empowered excited to be there yeah it, 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 exactly right 
the you know and 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 now with, with the with the internet because you, you know they now they invite you to a meeting and you say oh yeah I'll be there and then you don't show up <laughs> it's like why because what's his name or what's her name is in charge <laughs> and so you know we hire these yeah. people, we hire them for skill we fire them for attitude and yeah you know they say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a people person. Listen, if you're a people person, we'll know it within the first 20 minutes. You don't, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't, don't have to, to say it. You don't have to say it. You don't need to front it. Um, you know, every step, I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, there, there is actually, as you know, I, I, I look into this research. There's actually research that within the first minute and a half of just listening to clinicians as they interact, with uh, patients that uh, uh, observers can can tell which of those clinicians were sued the most, <laughs> just just yeah. by the tone of voice, whether they're talking down to their their uh, their patients and and so forth. Um, but you know, but I think you would both agree that the people that listen to the art of charm, the people that. Uh, follow me on Twitter or read read my books. These are, I think, they're genuine people. I think, even though they may have difficulties adapting to certain things, I think they want to learn. I, I I think they genuinely want what is best. the 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 problem that I find is there's a lot of noise out there. There's a uh, there's a there there's just a lot of blah 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 and finding that quality of of, of instruction or guidance or mentoring um, that's often difficult to uh, to find. Stop! Tired of inconsistent results? Are you dating who you want to be dating? Are you where you want to be in your career? Do you have the proper roadmap to get you where you want to go? If you're tired of wasting time and tired of seeing other people effortlessly build their dream lives while you work twice as hard with fewer results to show for it, perhaps it's time to get the guidance, skills, and accountability you need to reach that next level. In our X Factor Accelerator, you'll develop the tools to communicate powerfully, cultivate unstoppable confidence, and be held accountable by a community of high-value members, mentors, and coaches. This is no ordinary community or group. Each member has been selected and vetted to make sure your experience is a prosperous one. That's right, AJ. Our members are driven, knowledgeable, and dedicated to advancing their lives and the lives of our community. They are CEOs, professionals, entrepreneurs, servicemen. So come join the fun. If implementing these concepts from the podcast has enhanced your life, Imagine what a year-long mentorship by me, Johnny, and the Art of Charm team inside the X-Factor Accelerator could do for you. Unlock your own X-Factor and become extraordinary. Apply today at unlockyourxfactor.com. Pause this podcast and apply today. Unlockyourxfactor.com. Well, I think another big part of this being exceptional is it takes work to develop these traits. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. with the power of the internet, the speed at which our attention span is disintegrating and us looking for cheats and hacks and shortcuts, we're not putting in the time and effort. And when you talk about the first trait, self-mastery, 
That's a lifelong pursuit. That's not something you're just going to check that box in the ninth grade and, okay, let me move on to observation. Those who are in self-mastery and the guests we've had on this podcast, it is a lifelong pursuit. It's a way of living. And of course, not everyone can do that. What we're talking about being exceptional, this is not a participation trophy. This is not a ribbon for showing up. This is going that extra mile that no one else wants to do so that you do stand out for the right reasons. Yeah. The reading reading the cliff notes. Reading the cliff notes doesn't get it. I it, you know, this is something that you habitually work at because there's always a degree of finesse that can improve whether whether it's how I address other people, how patient I am, uh, my emotional reactions to, to to things when they happen, we have to decide this is important. And if it's important, then as you say, AJ, how do we work at it? How do I how do I build that? I, you know, I talk about that scaffolding. That's that. Okay, I have a little crisis today, but I may have a big crisis in the future. And if I can't prepare for that, it's going to overwhelm me. And and so I I I think when as as you guys do when you're in essence mentoring, what you're doing is you're you're adding to that robustness so that as things happen, they can handle it better. That they can prepare for that future, whatever that is. I think we've all seen as the pandemic hit just how quickly things can change. And those of us who are unprepared had our legs knocked out from under us. Those of us who've been on a self-mastery journey just realize that this is another challenge as we make our way up that mountain. What has your journey been in terms of self-mastery? Obviously, learning is a big part of this and and having the opportunity to then gain all the experience that goes along with learning. You know, Johnny and I have a running joke at the company. People would love to work here. We get uh, people applying for internships and they always say, I've read all the books. I've read Joe's book. I've mastered body language. And it's like, we're about to have Joe on the show. I don't even know if he would argue he's mastered at this point. It comes through years of experience, immersing yourself in something, not picking up the book, flipping through some chapters, checking the box and moving on. Yeah, I... (laughs) I, you know, it's funny. I, I get those too, and I've 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 read all I've read all your books, and I said, well, that's nice because I've got twelve books I'm working on right now, and I'm still learning. <laughs> so don't 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 start uh, there. I think for me, it was the realization that um, I was I was always at a, a disadvantage because I was. And this isn't a sob story because it, for me, it's not. It, it, you know, I had to learn English first. Then I had to catch up because I was set back one year of school so that I, I, I could uh, I could catch up. And it, it just seemed like I was always catching up. And in the book, you know, the story where on graduation day, I, I go down to the local library and I get a library card finally so that I can read what I want. And I and I literally said to myself, you know what? Yeah, edu- you know, college degree is good, but now I'm going to read what I want to read. And and it was a matter of reading broad, uh, of everything from you know Pacific Islanders who can navigate using the stars to 
ethnographies about first contact with Mesoamericans to any number of things, so long as no professor was telling me what to study, especially if it was his book. Um, and uh, music, right? The, 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 the study and enjoyment of, of music, how, it, how it, it, it has evolved, how it exists in every society. What, what is the benefit of music? You know, the, 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 the swaying motion, the, the, all of that. And so to me, it was about exploring, Explore, explore, explore. If you if you said, Joe, do you, do you know everything that there is to know about body language? No, no. And I and I have notebooks mm. with over five thousand descriptions <laughs> of behaviors, and I find stuff all the time. And and I tell students that's not the point. <laughs> the point isn't some line. The point is to grow outward like a like like a wave to keep expanding, keep expanding. And 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 that's and I think that's that helps us to open our minds, number one. But I think when I when I when I've talked to really exceptional um, individuals, they had a, a yearning to learn and um and they were always seeking um it, and it and it's interesting because in many instances they weren't sure what they were seeking and i'm sure you've run into it people who come to you and say well you know i'm 27 years old i'm not sure what i want to do do, do in my life understood continue to seek um because you will find it um, history is replete. You know, I talk about these these two bicycle mechanics from Ohio who invented the airplane. <laughs> okay, you know it, it's you know they didn't know they were going to create you know powered flight. They didn't know they were everything that we now have the aerodomes, everything else was was uh, thanks to two guys without an engineering degree. That story is utterly fascinating, too, for anyone who wants to get into it. I mean, that, the, the incremental steps that it took to, to, to just get the thing to fly a few feet was yeah. remarkable, but yet the dedication and the, and the wanting to, to do that, the desire uh, was, and motivation was there. And what's interesting about writing, and I think, so many people look at it as, oh, if you wrote the book, then you're an expert on this subject. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we've ever interviewed anyone who would would think that they were the definitive expert on the book that they wrote. They wrote the book because they had a lot of questions <laughs> and, and they went yeah. on a journey to answer those questions and they decided to document it for other people who have those questions. That was the why they wrote the book. It wasn't because I need everyone to know what I need to know to make the world a better place. It's I'm on a journey. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna talk about it. Johnny, you you, you nailed it. it, it I really uh, all the the people that I know that have written on any any topic. This is like okay. This is what I know now. <laughs> 
and I'm sharing it, <laughs> and it's a contribution to the literature. And by God, if 10 years from now, this is all we know, then, you know, I've been a failure. Um, you know, t- depending on who you talk to, they say technology, uh, information is doubling anywhere from every three days to 11 days. To, uh, there, there's all sorts, sorts of numbers out there. That's true. But I think a, a more important uh, quotient here is how fast are we adapting to it and how fast <laughs> are we ad- adopting it? Because one thing is to adapt. We did. We, you know, all of a sudden, now everybody's on a Zoom call. Okay, we adapted. But how we adopt, that's what's critical. And I, and I, and I think this is where, you know, the kinds of things that, that you do with, with the art of charm is that guidance that helps us to adopt those best traits. Those best traits that will benefit the individual, their family, and, uh, and and so forth, and I think that's why we write. We don't. We, I certainly don't finish at the end of fourteen months of writing in this little room and say, "Okay, that's it. That's all that needs to be said." Nobody uh, <laughs> <laughs> <somebody> does that. <laughs> Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. <laughs> well, I want to pick up on that thread because technology and information is advancing mm-hmm. rapidly in yeah. our lifetimes. And part of the problem with the technology and the information and now the disinformation, misinformation, yeah. is we don't have a keen sense of observation. So leading to the second trait, Johnny and I were just in Las Vegas this past weekend, and we were hosting our clients who are in our X Factor Accelerator in a mastermind session, and they had interacted with each other online in our Zoom sessions, but this was really our first time having an in-person event in the last 18 months. So we thought it'd be fun to sort of test their observation skills. All of these clients are coming to us working on their communication, and they're excited to get to know other members. 
And halfway through the first day, after lunch, we said, all right, I want you to write down three things you learned about each person you interacted with today. We gave them some time, pen and paper, and you'd be amazed at how many were stumped at one or two bits of information. And Johnny and I are sitting here, and we feel like we could write pages for each one of these individuals because we've really worked on our power of observation to be great coaches and be great mentors and be great interviewers. These observation skills are all we have to work through all the information and the technology that we are confronted with to make sense of it, to move forward, to advance. What are your thoughts on strengthening observation skills when Johnny and I are looking around wondering what happened to everyone's (laughs) curiosity? What happened to their ability to observe others? You know, I'm glad you, you bring that up because that's not surprising to me. The... The part of the problem is we've outsourced observation, right? <laughs> we we leave it to the security camera or the security guard in the lobby or I have to be careful, that thing we called A-L-E-X-A. I don't want to <laughs> activate it yeah. when we say, what's yeah. the weather? I mean, I could look outside and say, holy mackerel, mm-hmm. look at that cloud. But no, <laughs> we... We outsource uh, uh, observation. We, we, we go to Google and say, okay, tell me everything about Joe Navarro, right? Um, hello, he's in front of you. And yet, and yet, and you guys know this, you cannot be exceptional if you're not a great observer. What are we observing for? The, the needs, the wants? the desires, the, the fears and concerns of others as a, as a mentor, as a coach, as an instructor, as a leader, you have to be observing all the time that it, it's, this is a requirement. This is the first thing that sets the exceptional apart. They're great observers. They may not know everything, but they're going to find out. They're going to they're going to exercise that benign curiosity that says, hey, AJ, where'd you go to school? Oh, cool. How was that? And it's like, why is he asking me? Because he's genuinely interested. But you walk away and you know more about the person. You know more about their their background just by listening to how they talk. Oh, you like music. What kind of music? Hey, did you ever hear, you know, there used to be this little group called Maggie's Dream in New York. Did you ever hear of them? They had an interesting, you know, it's, no, I never heard of them, but did you ever? And now all, all of a sudden you're, you're expanding your, your horizons. Here's what I often see. People go in and they have an agenda. And they want everybody to know their agenda. And that just shuts everything down because you're not learning, you're not interpreting, you're not decoding, you're not expanding. Um, and this is one of those things where I'm, I'm glad you guys do this. This has to be um, a part of, of your growth process. This is not optional. It's, it's an absolute requirement. Well, to go along with it, I- with all the technology we have, it's easy for people to get into this headspace 
where everything is very pragmatic, next step, next step, next step. Some people learn in a very organized fashion. Right. Some people like myself need to just walk in and make a complete disaster mess and then start <laughs> picking up the pieces <laughs> to see how it, 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 it all fits. And I had to get comfortable with that idea because that was the only way that allowed me to function in a learning capacity, doing it in a very pragmatic, organized way made me so frustrated that I, that it, that it, it made me hesitant in starting a learning process because it wasn't as fun to me. And with life in itself, I, I think for a lot of it, it has to be done in a very messy fashion. Life is not going to be fair with you. Nature is certainly not going to be fair with you. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty to it. And yeah. so trying to deal with life in a very pragmatic, organized fashion is going to leave you pulling out your hair because it's just not, it's, it's not going to be dealt out to you that way. Yeah. And you have to get comfortable with that uncertainty and learn how to maneuver through it. Yeah, because you you never know what, you, you know, talking to AJ, talking to you, it's going to be different. And that's one of the things that, that we're not taught in school, that every person that you talk to, you talk to them differently because each person interacts with the world differently. You know, Johnny, in many ways, you're like my sister, Terry, and I, and I love her. She, she comes into, into a room and she's talking to everybody and, and she engages everybody, you know, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of shy. I go from one person to, to the other and so forth, but she can engage a whole room. And people love to be around her and, and so forth. And we have to learn that each person talks differently, interacts differently, has different comfort levels, um, you know, our spatial differences, the cadence at which we c communicate, uh, the energy of, you know, if, if I'm talking about this, if you're talking about music, you're going to talk about it with a certain energy. Like earlier, we were talking about uh, jazz, you know, and, and you're you're arching your eyebrows. So those are the exclamation points, and you're you're excited uh, uh, about it. Each person, we have to learn that um, there's a benefit to talking to to each one, engaging that energy. Um, on a, on a similar plane. You know, I, I always say synchrony is harmony. And, and if we can achieve that, you know, if you want to have a quiet moment with me, we're going to have a quiet moment. And if we're going to, you know, get excited about something, then, then let's get excited. But to observe, you know, to detect that, you have to be able to observe it. And I think that's where you guys shine, is that you can observe, hey, this is this person's personality. And I'm sure you see it, you know, in, in when you're doing your live instruction and, you know, as you call people up, oh, th this, this person, uh, you know, he's shy. He needs to be brought up or, oh boy, you know, this is Mr. Theatrical or, <laughs> you know, w whatever. Um, but that's one of the things that I wish was, was, taught more often, um, especially now, you know, where, where we have more, um, we have 
more executives, frankly, more uh, more leaders who uh, are on the autism spectrum. And um, I, I I know of a few of them, and and they have they're they're mild on that. But you have to approach them differently. You have to talk to them. Oh yeah. And if we don't learn that, if we don't uh, learn to um, to have that respect and um, and and also be aware of culture, um, that uh, we we're harming ourselves because in the end, that's who we're harming. We're not we're not harming other other people. We harm. We're really harming ourselves. Yeah. Well, I love that you brought that up because that's what we mean by the art of it. <laughs> Everyone would love just a one page, one sheet, crack the code. <laughs> How do I instantly build rapport with someone? How do I make them a lifelong friend? Yeah. And it's the art of it. It's understanding, hey, what are they not sharing about their college experience? Right. What did they do when they looked away when you brought up jazz? Was there discomfort there? Maybe they're unfamiliar right. with it. You know, that level of observation and curiosity is really what fuels these exceptional communicators leading to this third trait of understanding that everyone wants to be valued. Everyone wants to be validated and feel heard. And if you're not observing, you're not going to be an exceptional communicator. So valuable that point that we humans don't seek perfection. We seek psychological comfort, number one. But number two, we seek validation. And validation uh, I, I know you know this, Johnny. Validation is is something as simple as, oh, you know what? That's a good point. And that means so much to me that you would say that, even though you may disagree with it. It's the fate. You know, when I look at failure to validate, especially intentional, when I see managers who fail to validate people, who absolutely, I, you know, I just read a book on Humphrey Bogart, um, and I wanted to see, you know, say, Joe Navarro, body language guy, what's he doing? <laughs> I, I wanted to see what it was like when the old studio system existed. These guys would sign up literally for seven year contracts. Humphrey Bogart had a 15 year contract with, with, that's, one what one fifth of your life in, in those days, and you know it. And they're they're signing their 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 lives away. But what did they want the most? They wanted validation. <laughs> they wanted to be validated, and we and we forget the importance of it. Um, they had money. But it was if if you asked these these old stars what what did you really value, you know, for a, a studio executive to say, hey, you know, you're helping us make fifty six movies a year, and uh, we we want to thank you for that. I l- love this. In, in our classes, we talk about the value that you're giving in a in any social situation and mm-hmm. in, in an interaction. And the value we define value is attention, approval, and acceptance, mm-hmm. which is um, it's a very simple thing, but we all crave it. And you mentioned, and I love this term. I'm going to have to steal it, but it's the failure to validate and the consequences of that fa- that failure to validate. 
And this is what's great about it. everyone is so worried in interactions or I think it's easy to think about how do I get something out of this for myself, right. which makes then every interaction increasingly difficult because you're asking for something and you're trying to get something rather than focusing on the other person. And we've always said the answers for every one of your questions in the interaction or in the other person. So you need to be present and focusing on them with your listening skills. And I I just love that because, and you stated it, validation is such a simple thing, but it has such a profound effect on how the other person feels about hanging out with you, about spending time with you. And I want to unpack one thing you shared there, Joe, because this is so key. And this is a a misconception that many in our audience and our clients have around validation. Mm -hmm. You can validate without agreeing. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. I've never thought of that. That doesn't mean you agree with the direction they're going. And I stumbled across one of your recent articles promoting the book Mm -hmm. around this exact thing, that it's important whether you're interrogating someone or you're just trying to build a friendship, that we're not in this constant disagreement and I'm right, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Actually valuing someone else's opinion and then shifting to your opinion is far more effective than telling someone you're wrong, shutting them down, proving to them all the ways that they haven't thought through something. But that nuance is lost on many people when they hear validation. They hear, oh, I have to be a people pleaser. I just have to be really agreeable. I have to sacrifice my own wants, needs, and desires to make other people like me. And that's just not true. That's not what we mean by validation. You're you're both exactly right. In in fact, that article, the lead author on that was... uh, my business partner, Anna Marcha Oud, because she runs into this in, in her business in, in Europe. And and it's true. People think that validation means acquiescence, that if you validate others, then you're basically becoming their chew toy. No, <laughs> no, you're not. When you validate others, it is it is it is the ethical thing to do. They have a point. We listen to their point. We uh, try to understand their perspective. And I've you know I've done this. I've sat next to criminals who have done really bad things, and they're explaining things. Okay, I am validating what they are saying. Yes, I I can see that. Okay. That was a bad mistake. I, I understand that. But that doesn't mean I yield. That doesn't mean I, 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 at the end of it all, I say, yeah, but you're still going to jail. <laughs> but it's not, because it's not. Great a, points. I get it. Those are great points. And, you know, and I think a trial, I mean, I've literally said this maybe 10 or 12 times over my career as I said, you know, I think a trial. Those might be useful points for 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 you to make, but we're but you're still going to prison because you know society just you know frowns upon bank robberies. So <laughs> you know we, we we validation is what you don't realize is the power of validation that by listening to others. That especially in relationships and in the workplace, your children come to you, they uh, acclaim, I did this, okay? You give them that, that validation that 
uh, th- that's really interesting. How did you do that? Right. So the first, a lot of times, you you know, they come in and say, "Hey, I built this fort." Oh, good boy, and then off they go. That's that's really not validation. Here's what validation sounds like. How did you do that? So by yourself, you gathered up these things. And, you know, the, the twigs and the sand and you made this, the, the, this castle. How did you put that in your mind? How did you put that together? Right. Now we're, now we're validating because we're using that, that, that sweet component called benign curiosity. Okay. So now we're making this person, we're, we're elevating this person. Yeah. But we're elevating ourselves. <laughs> we're elevating ourselves because that person grows to trust us. You know, we talk about rapport and trust. It's not that complicated. <laughs> it's, it's really not. When you begin to validate, you're, you're both being elevated. And, you know, the worst thing we can do, and, and, and Johnny, you were hinting on that from the book where I say failure to validate invalidates. Mm-hmm. And think about how, ma- how many times we as humans are invalidated. When we look at the Me Too movement, when we look at uh, people that are habitually abused, when we look at, um, uh, you know, uh, any any minority any group that that has uh, suffered anything the minute you do not validate you're invalidating them and and that's just that in in many ways that's just cruel it, it, it it's um, you know one of the things that i wrote about recently for psychology today i said um the bully uses invalidation because they know that it's the wound that doesn't go away. See, if I hit you, you're going to have a hematoma, but it's going to heal. <laughs> it's it's going to heal, right? But your brain, we have the hippocampus. We have two of them. Everything negative goes in there. A decade for more than a decade or a decade or more. When we fail to validate any kind of suffering or experience of others, we're just compounding that suffering. And the bully, they're using it because they know that pain will not go away while we fail to invalidate. And that's why the exceptional, um, really make it a priority to to validate uh, the experiences of uh, of others. Joe, that brings up a, a question. Um, in, in discussing this, right now we're, we're seeing a, a pretty wide div- divide politically. And we, I think all of us here understand that we're going to need to be able to communicate together in order to forge a path forward. Right. Um, however, with... You could say that there is a lot of folks who were uninterested in starting off the communication on any sort of equal ground mm-hmm. and an agreement on any sort of truth where we can begin to have a conversation. Yeah. Now, in your line of work, I certainly know that you've talked to a lot of 
bad apples, a lot of folks who are being very uncooperative. In your in your experience, did you feel well? Just to flat out, just give you the floor on that. What were your tactics in order to be able to get people comfortable to come to the table with a shared agreement uh, of of reality and or a stance where you could start communicating from? Because I see they're like, well, I'd love to talk to this person, but they're a bad actor. And it's like, well, okay, well, do we move to the next person or what can we do to try to get them to 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 be able to validate each other on our, on our points to begin this conversation? Um, that is uh, one profound question. And uh, how long is this show? Because <laughs> it, no, it's, 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 th- this is one of those questions that um, really is, is for the ages because this phenomena is with us that we now have shorter fuses. We don't have the time to sit down and have the um, the salons that uh, you would have in Paris, where you would invite everybody and you would sit yeah. and discuss things and 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 so forth. I think my methodology is one: you have to consider the venue. If 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 it's a shouting match and you've got 30 people and they're shouting at you, there's really not much um, <laughs> you can do. I, I believe on the one-on-one approach. And my approach was always, and, and this is an approach that I use with not just extremists, but with with people who are so married to an ideology that they're just simply inflexible. And that was to sit, whether they belong to a cult and they were protecting a cult leader or, um, or, or maybe they were, um, you know, part of the um, Islamic Jihad or, or whatever. The, 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 the trick or the artistry was let them vent. Don't cut them oh, yeah. off hear them out, get them to explain things, but in different ways. Try to get as much out of them as to how they came to that philosophy, what they believe in, what is their worldview, what have they suffered. You know, many of these people are wound collectors. They're constantly collecting wounds of, well, you know, yep. um, uh, you know, you Americans did this, okay, um, you know, it, it, just listen, listen, listen. And one of the things that I found over time, and that's the problem, is often we don't have enough time, is people purge themselves of all this angst, of all this animosity, of, of all these things. And when you've given them that opportunity, I found that it's at that point that then they become receptive to talking to you. That if you intercept them earlier and say, whoa, whoa, wait, no, no, no. America gives more aid than any other country, right? And, and we, we tend to cut people off. No, no, no. Let them express themselves. As we do so, what we're doing is building FaceTime. 
And then the system of reciprocity kicks in and they sort of, okay, you were decent enough to listen to me. Now I'm going to listen to you. And I have, I can tell you, obviously I can't give you specifics, but I can tell you that the most ardent of anti-American, of anti-government, whatever, at the end, we're willing to uh, to talk and to be considerate. Where in the beginning, uh, it wasn't going anywhere. And, and but you yep. know that has applications at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, what I've noticed about that exact strategy is people who have such extreme viewpoints tend to clump together and only be around people who share those viewpoints. So they've never actually had to express them fully and they're thinking behind them. They're operating around assumptions that everyone in their in-group is carrying. So all of these logical fallacies are never pointed out because it's just assumed we have the exact same viewpoint and goal in mind, so let's move forward together. But if you give someone enough opportunity to actually explain how they arrived at that point, they're going to start to see the logical fallacies without you having to do anything to point them out. And in fact, if you point them out, it's just going to harden their views and their beliefs further because they don't see you as being on their side. And this works whether it's a a terrorist or even in a a conflict situation amongst friends where, you know, one side has dug their heels in, the other side has dug their heels in. And many of us just want to jump in and insert our viewpoint instead of giving them the space to actually express fully how they got to that conclusion. Because how they got there is often fraught with some assumptions, some false data, some experiences that maybe now upon reflection are different than they thought. But we're not giving people enough time to express themselves. And you know, we were laughing earlier when we started. Much of this conversation is happening in 140 characters. <laughs> That's not <laughs> enough time or space to express anything meaningful. You know, you need you need pages, you need time to really unpack. And as you said, to get someone comfortable enough to trust that you actually have their best intentions in mind. You're not adversarial. And what I see in the political discourse, what I see in how we're communicating with the, the people on the other side who maybe don't agree with us in our worldview is nothing that's persuasive. You know, when I look at all of my changing in my views over my lifetime from uh, the way I was raised in high school to my experiences in college and and now as an adult, it's all come from me having to explain it, to actually vocalize it and sit with it for me to, to have that shift in opinion and realize like, oh, maybe I was making an assumption that really wasn't true. Oh, what other assumptions might there be? And is there another way to look at this? You don't arrive at that viewpoint if you're just hanging tightly to your side. Well, th- think about this. How many people in your life actually give you the opportunity to fully explain yourself? Just, th- just think about that. How many, how many times does that happen in a day, in a week, or a month? It's rare. It's rare. Uh, you know, if, if, if I were sitting down with, 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 with Johnny this this might take three days, right? Because, you know, you think about all his experiences and, and, and things that he's done, the people he's known, venues where he's been at, AJ, you know, we would, we would have to explore a lot, of, a, a lot of territory. But how many people take the time to say, 
you know, give give me the 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 full thrust of 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 everything you got. Most people don't do that. They, they no, you're wrong. <laughs> they they just they just they, they just cut you off. <laughs> Most people haven't even done it with themselves. You know, we, we recommend a self-authoring program for all of our students to really understand oh, like who they are at a yeah. deeper level. And, you know, many of us have never really thought about those turning points in our mm. lives and those experiences and those memories that we attach so much meaning to, to really unpack and understand where that meaning comes from. You know, and especially in today's culture, we're living for the future, <laughs> It's just like, what's the next snapshot? What's the next opportunity? What's the next next experience? And we haven't really taken enough time to collect our thoughts around, okay, well, what was that turning point in high school that got me off of medicine and got me more interested in communication? And right. what truly happened in that cancer lab that made me decide that I didn't want to do this anymore? Right. And it's remarkable to us how many of our clients, when they go through that journey, realize that there's so much more to their personality, there's so much more to be expressed, and they can connect and relate to others in a deeper way, all because they understand themselves more. I, I, I like that. I, the, the, the con, that concept that, that you guys teach of, like, a, do a self-journal. Why did you make those decisions? You know, it, it would be interesting. Even in my own life, I'm, th- I'm thinking, what if somebody had come to me and say, why did you leave South Florida? Why did you decide to go in the bureau? Why did you decide to 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 to, to start writing? Now, what's interesting about that is we can turn that inward, but as you guys teach in your classes, what if you turned that outward and had your executives say, you know, tell me, why did you decide to go that route? And I, it, there's just, I think there's a, you're onto something that's very powerful is the why of, of, of our humanity. Well, it certainly goes to something we started this with, which was you were, I um, can't remember which context it was, but we were discussing of, of finding out who you are, that, that self mastery journey. Right. And that can't start out with you being the best or a complete person that starts out with you admitting that you have, you don't know shit. And there's a, there's a, a, a lot to do here. And I'm, I'm going to go start making this, taking those steps to start becoming complete or at least getting as close to that as I possibly can on this journey. I mean, what I love about it, what self-development as a whole is the minute you decide I'm interested and you start gaining little pieces and implement them in your life, your life changes. Your direction changes. Your trajectory changes. The opportunities that present themselves change. And it's all from the little things that you add, the little skills, the the acknowledgement of where you are, some self-awareness to who you are as a person. I even mentioned earlier of the way I like to learn. I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> by, and then even, by going even in every direction. It, right? Still learning and it the hard even, way. Yeah, and even when it was presented to me, I was like, well, I don't want to learn that way. That, that sounds like an, a giant yeah. mess. It's like, we'll try it the other way. It's like, well, this is even worse. It's like, and I have to, to accept 
that. It was like, what? Well, that was, didn't make me happy. I was like, well, everything's going to be frustrating every time I try to learn something new. Oh, great. But, but also coming to accept that that frustration is only an indication that I'm moving in the right direction. I'm, I'm, I have this visual of you being in the middle of a court and everybody's throwing a ball at you and, and, uh, and eventually one of them is going to stick. <laughs> I, I, I think you're talking exactly about, in the book I referred to um, Joseph Campbell, who yes. the great cousin, yes. uh, a, a, um, uh, you know, the mythologist, and he talks about and you know, and he said it in in the terms of the 1970s and 80s. And he said, you know, find your own bliss. And people f- made fun of that and said, oh, what? You know, I'm going to sit in a lounge chair and my bliss is going to come to me. No, <laughs> no. And it's exactly what you're talking about, Johnny. It's you go out and you script what that future is going to be. You go out and you seek and find. And sometimes it's like that crazy ball thing where you've got to do it your own way. You're not going to do it the university way. You're not going to do it the coach's way. You're not going to do it your father's way or your mother's way. But you go out and one of the things that I learned from Joseph Campbell was you don't know the doors that will be open to you. The personalities that will be that you will meet that all of a sudden things that you never anticipated are now open to you and in my own life i can tell you of just incredible amount you know i we grew up i mean we were poor in 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 miami we were my parents were were working for tips that sometimes were 15 cents 27 cents uh, things like that, who never anticipated that I would be, you know, giving a presentation where, you know, the, the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO would be there or uh, a president of a bank or, or anything like that, right? You know, or I would meet Paul Ekman or, or you know, the, all these dignitaries. But but Joseph Campbell was right when we make that effort, whether we call it the universe or happenstance or whatever, things just open up. Look at how many people you've had on your show. Could you have imagined that when you were in high school? Never in a million years. Uh, you know, no. maybe, you th- maybe you thought about it. Maybe it was in the back of your mind, but those things didn't begin to happen until you started moving in that direction. When you started to claw to build your future, that's when those things started to happen. Now, many in our audience are at that point of clawing and starting to build their own future. and. Yeah. Not only do we love your curiosity and all of your books, but you've been through so much training and sought mentorship yourself. Mm. What's that piece of advice you wish you had starting out in your career? Or maybe you were fortunate enough to have it early in your career. I, I think if, if I had to summarize it into to something really compact, it is feed my curiosity and, and don't stop. I could have easily stopped with a baccalaureate degree. I could have stopped with a master's degree. I could have stopped with 10 books, 12 books. But you know what? 
it didn't it hasn't hurt me to read 5000 books it does it hasn't impacted it hasn't debilitated me in 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 any way it has not hurt me in any way to ask people how do you do that or how did you achieve that or what was your you know what did you think about when you decided to get into that i genuinely want to know from others what they know and i see nothing wrong with with doing that i think the biggest problem we see in society today is people who say well i've i've achieved i need to learn nothing more and um and that's rather unfortunate well we recommend all of our listeners read your latest book be exceptional the last question we ask all of our amazing guests is what is your X factor? What is it that makes you exceptional and extraordinary out of all the traits and everything you've experienced in your career? Well, I don't, I don't see myself as exceptional, um, perhaps because I know my weaknesses. But I think, I think if, I, if you were to say it's what is an admirable trait that Joe Navarro has, it's that. It's curiosity. Nothing else. It's it's not my flying skills. It's not what I did on a SWAT team. It's not interrogations or anything like that. It isn't even the books on nonverbals. I I think it's just my my uh, my curiosity. Yeah. I think we could add humility to that list. We find you exceptional. Thank you for joining us. Fantastic conversation. My you, my pleasure. Thank you guys. Holy cow. Joe Navarro is such a fun guest, Johnny. I know we've been such a fan of all of his books on nonverbal communication, and he certainly knows what it takes to become exceptional. Absolutely. And again, I just love talking to other people from other fields who understand this stuff as well as we do, but from a different lens. It gives you more perspective and shows you just how important nonverbals and your communication really is. We're so excited to work with him in our upcoming boot camps and potentially in our X Factor Accelerator. Joe is one of a kind. This week's shout out goes to all of our X Factor members who came out to the Vegas Mastermind. It was our first live event in over 18 months and it was a blast. We have masterminds every quarter and it's an opportunity for our community to meet, strategize and get feedback about where they are in life. We're builders and that's what we do. We have a specific shout out this week to Shilpesh who writes, prior to the start of the pandemic, I experienced a breakup of a six-year relationship. At that point, my confidence was at an all-time low. A year ago, around this time, I came across The Art of Charm. After weeks of going back and forth, I finally decided to say yes and sign up for the X-Factor Accelerator program. Via the weekly coaching calls with AJ and Johnny, unstoppable confidence, and implementation sessions with Michael, I've been able to work on myself and get out of that funk I was in. During this past year, I got the courage to start doing things I wanted to do, even if that meant I had to do them alone. 
I had an accountability buddy and made weekly commitments that are a large part of the daily routine I have for myself now, which includes morning workouts, work, healthy meals, reading, and meditation. This routine alone has led to a 40-pound weight loss and a much more positive mindset. I worked on building my current relationships, and now I have deeper friendships due to the communication skills we're learning and the homework assignments. Another highlight this year was receiving a promotion, which had a lot to do with the skills I learned throughout the course. If you're on the fence debating whether to sign up, my recommendation would be just say yes. I have to say, Johnny, over the last year working with Shilpesh, seeing that growth and the growth like other members inside of X Factor has been tremendous. I know at the start of this pandemic, we were so disappointed that we had to shut down our in-person training. And it's been great to be able to work with all of these clients around the world virtually with weekly coaching calls, implementation sessions, and now our masterminds. Well, again, when you have support, encouragement, and accountability, sky is the limit. And Shopesh has now realized that. And that's why we do what we do. So join us in the X Factor Accelerator and unlock your X Factor at unlockyourxfactor.com. That's unlockyourxfactor.com. Apply today. Before we go, could you do us and the team here a huge favor? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate this show. It helps us bring on our dream guests like Joe Navarro and others that you've heard on this show, and it really means the world to us. The Art of Charm podcast is produced by Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery, Until next week, go out there and crush it.